are you guys doing? Anya was checking. Uh, thanks, honey. Thanks, honey. It is super exciting to be here with you tonight. I, uh, it is the first, first Sunday of 2019. We were sitting at breakfast this morning, and my uh, youngest son, Lawson, goes, Dad, you have to say it 2019. You can't say 2019. It's just not hip. And uh, so here you are. Happy start of 2019, because I'm not going to conform. All right. I just want to, before we get started tonight, I just want to take, actually, these are driving me nuts. All right. Um, I just wanted to take us back a little bit, back to December. Um, we had the opportunity to have Christmas Eve service here uh, twice. We had one at four and one at six, and we shared that with Emmanuel, the church that we rent from, and, and also from the, from the church we share with. And we had close to 400 people between those two services that got to come celebrate um, Christmas Eve. So that was a huge, that was a huge up going into the holidays for me. And I don't, many, many of you I saw there and had a great time. And so that was a great, great time. The other thing that was awesome that I want to update you on was we had a New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve party, barbecue, and Caring Ministries brought steaks. Uh, who was there that ate the steaks? Yeah, uh, they were so good. They were so good, and we had a good time. A lot of the kids that were up here um, had roller skates on. I don't know if you, there's a gym behind us. I don't know if you were aware of that. And most of those kids had those skates on the whole duration of the night. They were, I was dodging them left and right, and they had a blast. We had a jumping castle in there, and we just had a blast. And that's what the start of the new year should be is with, with family and friends and as a community uh, going into the new year. Because guess what? The year's hard and the year's long, and, but it's great to start celebrating that. And so one, I just wanted to, to I'm super excited. This is our first Sunday and uh, I'm going to going to break out some things that we um, are going to be trying to accomplish in 2019 as we, as I lead Element City Church and as Jack teaches and as we come together as a staff to kind of lead us as a church to really accomplish what God has in store. So we're going to adopt some new technology um, to help us do ministry and to help you engage with, um, with Jesus. And, and so I want to show you this video. This is a training video. You guys need to take your, get notes out um, because you're going to be required to kind of do some of this stuff. So you got to pay close attention. So here's the, the first video and uh, we'll get started. Tired of having to wake up, get dressed, and drive across town just to attend your favorite service? Introducing Virtual Reality Church. Start by choosing a church building that meets your needs. Tired of the stress of having to choose a Sunday morning outfit? Never make a fashion mistake again because Virtual Reality Church will style you based on your denomination. Not a people person? Select the introvert experience to completely eliminate the welcome team, meet and greet time, connect cards, and that awkward hold hands with the person next to you thing we still do. Next, personalize your morning by choosing the worship experience that you want. Feeling a touch of white guilt? Add a minority worship leader. Custom options even let you tailor the skinniness of your worship leader's jeans. Finally, no more having to endure songs that you don't like. With Virtual Reality Church, you're in charge. For the sermon, choose the amount of conviction you'd like and we'll select a pastor for you. We'll even let you tailor your sermon topics so you'll never have to attend a Vision Sunday or a sermon series on giving. And never worry again about dozing off during the sermon. With Virtual Reality Church, you can sleep as long as you want. Kids being bad in nursery? 
Who cares? Worried about missing a football game? Enter your favorite team and we'll provide notifications when the game is starting. Never miss a kickoff again. Want to go for it for prayer? Well, if you selected a Pentecostal service, always stand in front of a mattress. Even connect your social media accounts and we'll post for you. Get credit for being super spiritual all from the comfort of your couch. Finally, an option for people asking the question, how can I make Sunday morning even more about me? Virtual Reality Church, the future of church attendance. What do you guys think? Boo. Well, I, all right. I, there's, there's a mixed venture there. Well, I'm just saying it's a, it's a virtual church, right? And, and all these options, you could, you could choose your own experience. Um, although it would be fun to see Lyle and Jack in some skinny jeans and you could choose which one, you know, you wanted to do. And it would be really embarrassing if you could choose the way that I wear my skinny jeans because that would look really weird. Or the other one I thought was interesting is, is if you're an introvert, you can just select like the non-greeting, non-interacting with people, just kind of skip all the, the people stuff and just be done. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? And I, and I, and I saw all the, the male's eyes a little bit gl- glimmer when it said, enter your football team and let you know what updates would come. I, I, saw, I saw some of you like, oh, we're gonna do that? No. Our world is so full and technology-based the video was supposed to be over the top. He's a comedian. He does that. But all those have a little bit of truce in there. But in reality, in, the, in reality, most of us really wished that church was like what we just saw on the screen. Many of us act like we have a, a checklist, like we're buying a used car when we come to church. I'm going to pick and choose the time that I want to come, what I get involved with, when it's convenient for me. I'm going to give some money, but not too much. That 10% thing, is it like the video, right? It's just over the top? No, people really expect me to give of my resources? Engaging with others is conditional as long as they're kind of like me or, or kind of have the same job or, 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 or they look the same as me. But that's not what God intended church to be, is it? That would be a response. Is that what God intended church to be? No, church is not the building that we, that we I say it all the time when I'm coming in, oh, I'm going to church. It's not the music. It's not our friends. It's not even about the pastors or the staff. It should not form fit to our comfort zones. It shouldn't mimic a country club or a cruise ship. Put those two pictures in your mind. Jesus did not die on the cross for a church to be comfortable. Do you think his death was comfortable? Jesus is our savior because he knew without him, we were lost, broken, with no hope. His church, this church, is about his people. His church, this church, is about his people. He left Element City Church with a purpose. Did you know that Element City Church has a purpose? You're about to find out. If you didn't, here it is. To bring the hope and light of Jesus to the heart of the city. 
Church, the way Jesus designed it was not designed to be virtual. It wasn't to be at a distance. It wasn't supposed to be where we could watch from afar. There's times for that. There are things that we can't do as the church virtually. At home, online. We need a community, all of us together, to make sure that the church functions. The church, we have to do several things to make the church function. Engage and share life together. Some of you are like, oh, that's cool, I can do that. And some of you, that terrifies you. I have to share what? I don't just go into my driveway and, or into my garage and shut the, the garage door and then I'm, I'm, my, my life and my house and my, everything is, is mine to do with what I please. So engage in sharing life together. We have to be owning our role in his church. I hurt my knee uh, two, two Fridays ago and um, the rest of my body is taking a toll for that injury. I've been hobbling around, walking around, going down steps weird. And if the body of Christ is similar to our human body, because in the scriptures it talks about that, is if one is not doing its job, the rest of us have to pick up the slack and do everyone else's job to get the function of the body. Does that make sense? And so we have to own what our role is. We may not know what our role is right away, but we have to know what the role is in his church. And we have to be intentional with living with the purpose of living life together. Intentional with living with purpose with each other. Last week, Jack ended 2018 with everyone picking a word. Raise your hands if you picked a word. If you haven't heard about it, don't stress. This isn't like anything. What Jack has asked us to do is pick one word that God's laid on your heart that you can focus on, that you can live out with that word or you can pray. So if you, if you want to join us in that, I'd love, there's some cards in the back. It looks just like this. It's one word. And you can just write it on there, put it on your, on your mirror or on your car. It's just, hey, I'm going to focus on that this year. It's just a good, good technique to do. Not technique. God's prayer. Just find a, find a word. If you don't have a word, um, don't freak out. Like I said, it's not a stressful, like, oh, I don't have a word. God's not talking to me. Just spend some time praying with him, reading his word, and find a word that is gonna, God lays on your heart to do. Like I said, don't stress. I created stress, didn't I? For some of you A-type people, like, oh my gosh, I need to do that. The word that God has given to me, um, I've been praying, uh, Jack and I were preparing um, for the One Word series, and we were talking, so I, I continued to pray, and lots of words came into my mind, and then came out of my mind, I'm like, well, that would be good, that would be great, that would be fun, that would be good, and then one kept on cycling every thought process, and I was like, I don't, I don't like that word, I don't want that word. And you, as you pick the word out, you're like, you argue, like, I don't want to do that, or that, I don't like this word. And so the word that came to me uh, as we were doing this, and I, I'm still, still arguing with God about it, um, but is intentional. 
The word intentional. I've said it many times already in, in, in my pre-talk, and, and I've already said it is intentional. And God wants us, um, me personally, to be more intentional. How I can be intentional more with my kids, my wife, my time, my finances, with the church that I lead, and so on and so on and so on. You can put intentional in front of pretty much everything in your life. You can live without intention or you can live with intention. And so in 2019 or 2019, whatever, I'm going to live a life that's intentional and I'm praying in that way so that all my decisions and time with my kids and all that stuff is intentional and asking God to show me what that word means and living that word out in my life. This is also, as I've been praying, this is also gonna be a filter that we're gonna use as a church. We're going to use this as an intentional filter to put on our vision and our mission. Instead of just good intentions of doing something, you hear words, we hear things, we hear good intentions, but very seldom do we put motion to it. And so we're gonna, we're gonna have good intentions zeroing down on inviting people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. That's our mission. That's why we exist as Element City Church. Bringing the hope, that's, that's, that's our vision. That's like seeing those gorgeous snow-capped mountains and in whatever city we live in for New Year's, we've had more snow than, than Denver. But that's our vision. It's that big mountain at the end. That's what we want to accomplish. It's almost impossible. It's out there in the distance. It looks great. But our mission, how we get there, is by inviting people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. For instance, I've been talking to a lot of you um, throughout the holidays uh, through text message or, or on the phone, and it said, um, I, I kept on asking, the conversation came up about, what, what was your word? And some of you said, for instance, um, the word blessing was one person's word. Um, and I was like, wow, how does, that's a, that's a, that's a big one, because you can, you can bless in so many different ways. And the person was struggling with, like, how do I start? What do I do? And so, um, how can you be intentional with blessing others? Maybe start with blessing someone at church. Look to your left. Look to your right. Stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. No, no fighting. But maybe something you could, you could start by blessing someone that is very close to you in a way that it could be, start small. Maybe you can help out on Sunday specifically, maybe blessing us as a whole church, maybe, maybe discovering or playing with your role here in your church, maybe helping do setup or helping with the teams or, or helping with e-kids. That may be a way that you can bless. Another conversation I had was, um, the word was, their word was kind. I'm like, woof. That's a good one. Who is God laying on your heart to be kind to? And I kept on thinking about this. It's probably the person that you are trying to avoid the, avoid the most. So if your word is kind or anything like that, maybe, maybe you just have to be kind to that person. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be a big party. But just how do you, how do you extend kindness in the first couple weeks of this year? The other word that came up was courage. Maybe you, uh, maybe you need to meet a person at church or start a new conversation, or ask someone to go to dinner or coffee, or maybe take, take a, a chance and take an intentional step in courage to invite somebody to your house. Uh-oh. 
I think nothing says more than kind and blessing when you enter or you let someone come into your house. If you're not there, maybe that's 2020. But 2019 would be a great time for you to have some courage to maybe just step out into something different that you haven't done this year or last year. The other one was, actually a lot of people said this one. Um, this was one of my running, my running words that I wanted to go with, but God gave me intentional. And the one was, uh, the word was prayer. The couple people that I talked to about this were just really burdened with this. Not is that they didn't pray enough for people or they didn't pray enough with God or spend time. Just they felt burdened that they, that they their prayers made a difference and that they wanted to intentionally figure out in 2019 how their prayers could move the heart of God for their families, their friends, and their workplaces. All these words, blessing, kindness, and courage, and prayer um, can be used intentionally in what we do as a church. I say those words, blessing, kindness, courage, and prayer, that seems overwhelming. All, if you put all those together or even just one of those words, it seems overwhelming. But guess what? We do something this Saturday and this fourth Saturday of every, every month. We give away anywhere from 20,000 pounds to 24,000 pounds a month of food to people who need it. We call them our guests. If you've been to a food distribution, it is an amazing way to step out and kind of act in a role of who you are in Christ. We've been doing this for two years. We've seen lots of people um, come. And I'll just give you a little picture. So if you've come down Pima, Catalina High School is right there. There's two parking lots. There's the one main parking lot, and then there's the skinnier parking lot that's right by the tennis courts. We pull in there, and we come in there at 8 o'clock, 8.30-ish, sometime in the middle of there, and there's 60 to 80 people lined up already. We don't start giving food out till 9.30. And they're out there lined up. For two years, we have been busy working, 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 working over here, setting up tables, pulling the tables out, getting the food off this, the big truck and getting it all out of the tents and getting all worried. We're all excited. We're all happy. And it's, it's, it's a fun time. It's a blast, especially when it rains. It's really fun. No one likes rain. All right. Well, it's really fun. And so we're, we're all here in this parking lot setting up the tables. And then all of a sudden we, we pray, we switch gears, and then we, we're busy for the next 45 minutes to an hour giving away all this food. The people come in in, in in groups of 10 to 12, and they get their box, and they put the food in, and they're shopping like at Safeway or Sprouts or Whole Foods, and they're so excited, and, they, and, they, and they, they bolt out the end of the parking lot. This has been happening for two years. In 2019, us as a church, we're going to cross the fence. We're going we're gonna to provide the food for them and do all that, but we're also going to pray for them, and we're going to go outside the fence. We're going to go pray for them. We're going to get to know them. Everybody wants to be known. Every single one of us wants to be known. And there's a level of shame in getting free food 
that no one really talks about. I've talked with a couple of them, and they're like, they cower, won't make eye contact. And that's not what Jesus wants. We're not doing it intentionally, but what we're going to do is we're going to counteract it by being intentional, by finding out their names, by finding out what country they come from. There's 48 different countries that are represented in the three schools in our area. 48 different countries. That's pretty vast, don't you think? So we're going to take that food distribution, and if you're with it, I'm with it, and if you're with it, you're going to come alongside. We're going to figure out how we can go not just meet their physical need with the prayer, but how do we meet their spiritual need of knowing who Jesus is so that they know who the Savior and Lord is. So they're not trying to just fill their life full of whatever, but they get to know who Jesus is. So many of us give up before we even try. It's so overwhelming. We go to the extremes. We, we think through our words or God's asking us to, to do whatever. Or we ask, well, we have to serve or we have to do that. And we, we go to two extremes with people. I know I do. We go strictly homeless. Like they have no food. They have no, no storage, nothing. That's where we, we can't do that. How do we do that? Or we go to the ultra rich. That's how, we, that's how we deal with our head because what it does when we think like that, it eliminates the middle where we are. And so it excuses us from thinking about it. Well, I'm not, I'm not there and I'm not the rich. I, don't, I can't minister to the rich and I can't minister to the homeless because they, I just, they have all these needs and needs and needs. But if we're intentional and we take it back to where we are, God doesn't say to always go to the extremes, does he? He tells us to, to be kind to our neighbor. Love others. That doesn't always mean go help with the homeless people, does it? It means, hey, I heard you, you're having a rough time. Send a text with your coworker. Send a text with, to a friend or somebody that you know. But sometimes enough, we don't, we don't want to go in that middle space. We want to just stay on the extremes. And so, in 2019, intentionally, I'm going to stay in my mind and in what I'm trying to do in this middle part, the part that's in my world, in my sphere, parts, people that I can touch, people that I can encourage, people that I can do that intentionally so that I can see God's kingdom grow, not for my success, but, but so that we can be fruitful and so that they can be known and seen Jesus Tonight, we're gonna, the scripture we're going to go over is in Nehemiah. It's an Old Testament. It's one of my favorite, um, it's one of my favorite, favorite men of the Bible because he does some things that was absolutely impossible, absolutely impossible. And so um, this word and this, uh, this word intentional kind of ties in with his, um, with his life and so we're going we're gonna to talk about that tonight. So go ahead and turn to Nehemiah, and I'm going to give you a little background. Nehemiah was a Jewish slave in Persia. When, when the Israelites were uh, disobedient, they had, they had this, little, this little cycle go on. They were disobedient, and then God would scatter them. And they'd, then they'd have a judge or something, and they'd come back together, and then God would bring them back together, and then they would disobey again, and, and then he'd spread them out loud again. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Anybody align themselves with... 
being disobedient and then coming back to Christ and being disobedient and then coming back to Christ? Just me? All right. Um, Nehemiah was a Jewish slave in Persia. He was a layman, um, not a priest, not a prophet. He served the Persian king in a secular position. Um, he was a cupbearer. How cool is that? I thought it was cool until I started reading about it. And that level of, um, the level of responsibility with a cupbearer is huge. You literally have your, the king's life in your hands. He's trusting you to make sure that one of the things of your role of a cupbearer was not to get poisoned. I guess that went on fairly, a lot. And so he had a cupbearer that would, would carry his cups of his, whatever fluid he was drinking, wine or, or whatever it was. And so he would taste, um, Nehemiah would taste it to make sure that he wouldn't be killed so it would be safe for the king. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty crazy. He's, his level of trust was pretty high with the king. He, uh, the king literally trusted him with everything. And so let's look at, in chapter 1, Nehemiah was reflecting on the news uh, about the remaining people of, his, uh, of the tribes of Israel. And let's see what it says in verse 3 through 7. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are, are great in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Whew, that doesn't sound too good. Let me read it again. Because I only read three, didn't I? The words of Nehemiah said, on, In the month of Kizla, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Himani, with one of the brothers, came from Judah with, with some other men and questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates are burned with fire. Nehemiah got this news of the, of the remnant that was left in exile. They were still living in Jerusalem, but the, the great wall around Jerusalem was uh, torn down. The big wooden gates were burned, and it wasn't safe. When he, Nehemiah heard this, um, he wept, he mourned, he fasted, and he prayed. He took it very seriously. Nehemiah didn't just hear the bad news and then move on with his life. So often or not, I think we've been conditioned because all of our technology, all of the news feeds, all the Instagram, everything that we have, we have we're constantly getting news and feedback that we don't ever really act on what we hear or what we see emotionally. Here Nehemiah heard some news and it grieved his spirit. And so, he just didn't walk away. He wanted to be part of the solution. In the next chapter, he took a bold step and asked the king, the one that he worked for, he said, hey, I know, I know you need me here to keep you alive and to test, test things for you, but I, I would love to do something. I might, it may cost me my job, and I understand that, but I need time I need time to go and rebuild Jerusalem for the people that are full of shame, that can't help themselves, that, can't, that are just falling apart. I need you to let me go do that. Now, 
just think about it for a second. Some of us have a hard time asking our bosses for time off or asking for things that, that um, are, well, just asking for time off. Some of us ask for time off for less insignificant things than the plight of the people that were in Jerusalem. He took a bold step and asked for those things. He asked for two letters. One letter was um, from the king to let him go. It was like a permission slip saying, hey, this is, this is one of my slaves. This is one of my workers. He is free to be free out. He's not, he's not fleeing. He's not doing anything. He's, he has the right to pass through these areas. The second letter that he needed and he asked for was that he, um, that this king that he worked for would provide all the wood and the materials to rebuild Jerusalem's wall. And guess what happened? The king saw his heart. Saw Nehemiah's heart. It says in the scriptures that he was downcast or downtrodden as he came in to talk to the king. And the king said, well, why, why are you this way? Why are you this way? And Nehemiah got to share his heart with the king. And the king said yes to every single one of his requests. And he even threw in some officers of the army and the cavalry to escort him from where he was into, into Jerusalem to make sure that there was safe passage. Nehemiah knew exactly then and immediately that it was all because of God's glory and the miracle of him saying yes. God calls us, Element City Church, to the impossible. God calls us to the impossible. He called Nehemiah to go build a city wall around. He was a cupbearer. This is an impossible task, but it took one man to humble himself in prayer. Be bold and stay focused and to get the work done. He was a cupbearer, not a leader. He had a great job. His employer was respected. Respected him and he was well taken care of. He left a literal palace to go work hard labor in a city that was a hot mess. He had to gather all the tribes who were scattered out throughout the land to bring them back to help build the wall. Bringing them together to accomplish the mission of rebuilding the city. You're like, well, how does that, how does that relate to us? I'm, I'm gonna say a lot of us are pretty comfortable. A lot of us, God's been asking us to do things for a while and, and we, we say no, or we ignore. God calls us to the impossible. Just take a second and think, what are some of the impossible things you think God, or impossible things that you're facing 
in 2019, you know they're coming, and you've, you, don't know the, you don't know how to solve it, don't know how to move around it, don't know how to get to it, don't. It could be negative or positive. God wants to help you, and the way we communicate that is through prayer. Letting him know our heart. Letting him speak through us through his word. The second thing is, God calls us out of our comfort. And I know we live in a world that is all based on our comfort. Just like the video that we shared, that video was all about the person, right? What I can get, what I want, what I do. But let's see what in chapter four, let's see what the enemy, uh, what's the enemies do to Nehemiah. You think, hey, God's got it all taken care of. He's given me wood, he's given me materials, he's given me safe passage. Um, and let's see what happens in verse, verse one through three. When the Sambalet heard that they were rebuilding the wall, the Sambalet are a, a group of people, they were enemies of the Jewish people. Heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and they were, they were greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stone back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah and Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up would break down their walls and stones. You ever seen a, a fox walk on snow? They lightly walk across the snow. So basically, Nehemiah was building. They were building the wall. And the enemies, which you have, naysayers, which we have, start chirping, start talking. And some of us don't even have any external of that. We do that inside. We do that internally. Nehemiah doesn't get sidetracked with the drama or take it personally. He hears it, he sees it, he stays focused on the mission. And guess what he does in verse four? He prays, this guy, intentional in Nehemiah, first of the year, God's after me, I tell you. So let's read it in verse, in verse four, it says, Nehemiah praying because all these people are attacking and going after him and, and making it uh, stressful on him. And he says, hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up, do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all of their heart. So in time of turmoil, when things aren't going your way, when 2019 starts to take a downward slide, it's not an up, it's not, you know, it, we're all happy and excited. Well, at least mine has started that way. But when we take that word and we're, we're living out our relationship with Jesus and the naysayers come 
the people that are making fun of you for what you believe. Sometimes it's just easier just to cower and go along with them. But what I'm asking you and what the scriptures are asking you to do is pray. Take all that drama and all that, all that energy that's coming at you and take it to God and say, you know what, God? These are hurtful. These are, these are not what I want to be, but do something about them. That's what he's there for. That's why he's the savior. But so often or not, we try to do it on our own power and our own will. And so it gets very, very difficult. God calls us not to give up. If we read verse 10 and 14, if I could. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it and see us, we'll be right there among them, and we will kill them and put them at the end, end to work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turned, they will attack us. Therefore, station some of the people um, behind the lowest points of the wall and in exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When the, our enemies heard that, they were, they were aware of their plot, and God had frustrated it. We all returned to the wall, each to our own work. Don't be discouraged. When things are moving towards God, you're going to get more flack. You're going to get more pressure. You're going to get a lot more of who is opposing you because we, this world doesn't want us to follow Jesus with our, with our whole heart and mind. The people were discouraged. They overcame fear. Nehemiah had to remind them about the fight, so they fought. Under Nehemiah's leadership, the Jewish withstood, uh, withheld and withstood opposition and came together to accomplish the goal of rebuilding the wall in 52 days. I've watched three, two guys in my backyard trying to do pavers for about 400 square feet, and it took three days. I can't imagine what rebuilding a wall looks like in 52 days around a whole city. Our job is to bring the hope and light of Jesus to the heart of the city. It's an impossible task, but God calls us to the impossible. We are a small church, but guess what? We serve a big God. I'm gonna say that, you're gonna hear me say that a lot, and it's more self-talk, we are a small church, but if you guys saw the impact video that we saw earlier in the, all the food that we've given out, how the, the money and resources that we've, we've given, he wants us. And when we step out and we say, we are yours to do what we've done, and we've stepped into the roles of who we are, he provides us with pathways and ways to do that. There's one thing 
Uh, Olivia, put that, put that picture up of my wrist. Do you guys see that? Sorry for the dermis issue there. Um, I have this, this metal wrist that I wear. Uh, Kimberly gave it to me two years ago. Um, just like you, I'm human. I struggle um, with what to do with jobs and, and all that kind of stuff. And being in ministry, um, it's, no, it's no more difficult than, than you working at IBM or Raytheon or anything like that. It's, it's, it, there's a job to this, and then there's a spiritual side of it. Just like in your job, you have a job, and then you have the spiritual side of it. So I'm not going to say, like, I'm better because I'm, I'm not. Uh, I went through a real tough patch about two years ago, and I was about ready to just go take a job at Raytheon. We have a family joke. Um, when ministry gets hard, I just say, I'm going to go work at Raytheon. I don't even know if I could get hired at Raytheon, but it's just a, you know, a standard way of saying I could work nine to five. And uh, I got an Amazon package and it came, came and um, I opened it up and I was like, you know, we have Amazon packages come to our house all the time. I don't know about your guys' house, but it's, it's like, but they all have my name on it. And so I feel obligated that I get to open them because they have my name on it. Um, and so I opened it up and I looked at it and I was like, never give up. Who ordered this? This is what? And Kimberly came home from work and I said, there's some bracelet came um, and I'm not really a jewelry wearer. Um, and she's like, well, you weren't supposed to open that. And I was like, oh, well, there we go. Once again, ruining, ruining it again. And she's like, I want you to remember that you have a calling on your life. You have a role in God's kingdom. You are a son of a mighty, mighty king. And you can't give up. There's people in your life that if you give up, they don't find Jesus. As a church, if we give up, and we get comfortable, and we just come and check the boxes and virtual reality our, our experience, they miss out. The people at the food distribution that we're praying for, or our students, or people, when we check out of our role that we have in Christ, the role that we have in the church, and if we don't do it, if we give up, they miss out. Let's get uncomfortable. Let's do what God's asked us to do. It may require you to leave a job. It may require you to give more resources. It may require you to give more time. There is a cost to following Jesus. Salvation was free, but the cost of following Jesus is pretty high. But it is so worth it. I almost cussed right there. It is so, so worth it. Let's be intentional. Let's be intentional with our relationships. Let's be intentional with our encouragement. Let's be intentional with our love. I have two invitations to you tonight. Two challenges, if you will. Whatever, whatever makes you excited, you can, however you can take it. There's two things. I want you to dedicate your prayer life, if it's five minutes a day, if it's two minutes a day, if it's five hours a day, to what God has your role in his church. 
You stay in that prayer until you get a clear answer. And if you don't get a clear answer, guess what you do? You still pray. And you do what God's asked you to do until he changes it. If he's asked you to work in E-Kids or he's asked you to do something at work or start something, you do that until God tells you to change it. But if you honestly pray with an open heart, say, God, what is my role in your kingdom? Not just at elements, but in your kingdom. And stay there until you get an answer. And then I have a second opportunity for us. Um, Elements has an opportunity um, the end of January to host. Um, there's a group of people. There's six people coming from Oregon, uh, and they do this thing called School of Prayer. They teach people how to pray. They teach what the biblical meaning of prayer is, and it's a, it's a three-day thing. It's a Thursday night, Friday, and a Saturday. The Thursday night's an evening, 6 to 8. The th- uh, Friday and Saturday is um, from 8 to, th- to 4. Some of you are thinking, Brian, um, you said school and prayer, two of my least favorite things. That's what I said to myself. I don't like school and prayer sometimes to me is like a, uh. over the last year, God has un- blew up my heart of how I get to communicate with him through prayer. So um, I know it's a commitment. It's $25 per person. It's meals are included in that and we're hosting it right here. So pray about that. I'd love for you, you'll hear more about it when it comes, but be open to maybe exposing yourself to a little bit of the uncomfortable or something that's not known so that you can experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a, in a, in a new way in 2019. Because there may be a new, a new way. You maybe just have been the status quo and maybe God's asking you that he's gonna unleash on you something something impossible that he's going to provide for you to do. I used to think impossible was impossible. But the Holy Spirit allows things to do that I don't even realize could be done. So those are the two challenges. What's your role in God's kingdom? And two, how can you open up your heart to two or three days of concentrated prayer and spending time with him and learning how to do that better. We're going to go into a time of communion. I'm over time, like always. Um, We celebrate communion each week to celebrate God's sacrifice, the cost that he gave us so that we can live free, so that we can have eternity. And so as we do that, we do that each week. It's just a reminder with the blood in the grape juice and the, the cracker of the sacrifice that he has for you. I'm just going to end in some prayer and then the band's going to come up and just spend some time. If, you, if, if, you're, if you're thinking about like, hey, uh, there's some impossible things in my life, just sit and pray and then come up and do communion when you can. Um, we'll have prayer afterwards down here if you need to talk. Um, but let's bring the hope of Jesus to the heart of the city and where you are because without that we might as well just pack up the tents and and not even show up for church let's bring the hope of Jesus 
to the people who need it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, I feel like I don't give you justice. Like I just spoke a bunch of words up here. But Lord, I just hope that my, your spirit talks to the spirit in, the, in people in this room. Lord, that it's not just a man up here giving words, but Lord, that we can actually see your kingdom manifest in a powerful way in 2019. Ways that aren't mankind, Lord, because we can take credit for that. But Lord, that we can see you move so that we can only point up to you and say that was God. In our own lives, in the victories over addiction, victory uh, over anger or whatever it is, Lord, we, we, we want to bring it to you. Would you want to start 2019 just sitting at your feet, praying and wanting to know what you want us to do? Lord, thank you for being a merciful and powerful God. In Jesus' name, amen.